if I can do it, trust me, anybody can do it. I was um, no seriously. I'm this shit. <laughs> There's the humbleness from the, West, from, from, the, from the working suburbs of Melbourne, you know, and the idea that I could get from that place, from what I saw, is this unreachable goal, and um, and just work at doing it, just because I I had no choice. I felt I had no choice. I just had to do it, you know. And if I can do it, anybody could do it, really. Hello and welcome to the Art Department Podcast, episode 42 this week with Emmanuel Xu in San Francisco and myself, Jan Urschel, in Singapore. Today we have a special guest. We have Wayne Haag and he's talking to us out of Australia, out of all places. And um, maybe some of you already know his name. He has a long career in Hollywood and uh, also working on various movies out of Australia. So I think he has a lot of interesting things to tell us uh, in this week's episode. So without further ado, uh, Wayne, why don't you give us a little bit of a background into where you came from and uh, how you ended up doing what you do. And I mean, we can already see this amazing painting in the background there. Thanks, Jan. Thanks, Emmanuel. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate that. It's, um, it's a good show, good podcast you, you guys have got here. Thank My you. background, well, um, <laughs> photography, that seems to be one of the common things mm. I kind of like about you guys is that I was into photography. That was where I started. Mm. Um, I remember having a camera when I was six years old and photographing uh, you know, a, a, a lizard in an enclosure in the zoo and wondered why the shot that I, when I finally got back, it wasn't what I saw, you know? So I was always intrigued by this thing of this camera, the thing in front of me and how it was interpreting that stuff. But uh, so that's where it kind of began. So as early as uh, age six. Um, and I've always had a camera in my hand. I always loved photography. And for me, it was about then discovering uh, Star Wars, of course, in 77 and seeing that and then discovering what matte paintings are. And then how do I do that? How do I get into that? I want to do that. And I, I thought it was all photographic. I thought these places were, you know, because it was film, right? Mm. So they had cameras and it was all about photography. So, you know, you'd, I'd set up my little see-through PO plastic model and the Millennium Falcon and all that stuff. And I just photograph it. And I'd always try to figure out, you know, how can I composite? How can I get the Falcon in front of a planet? Or how can I get, you know, spaceships into the X-Wing models into in front of something else? And that's when I started to look into using a 35 mil camera with a slide copier and compositing using what I didn't know at the time was lith film. And I had invented this whole system in my head and wrote this document when I was in year nine in secondary school about how to composite images using a slide copier and 35 mil film. This here, I'm not sure if you can see it, is a pin registration system that I eventually made. I'm fast forwarding now many years, but this is a pin registration system that I made that holds a four by five inch piece of film. And I was managed to composite on four by five inch. Within about two or three years of making this, I discovered Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that whole photochemical compositing process just mm -hmm. went right out the door. But it's, it's why I understood Photoshop really well because I was dealing with uh, and using lith film as a masking process. So you've got clear, black, black, clear, that sort of thing as a mask. Mm. So when I saw Photoshop, I was like, oh, I get this. This is really cool. Mm. And for those watching, this is how old I am. 
I, I learned Photoshop on version 1.6. Wow, okay. Not CS 1.6, but 1.6. One mm -hmm. undo, no layers, and a mouse. So, Jesus Christ. That's that's yeah. amazing. Um, so I, I say that often. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's something to brag about, I think. Um, so, but then, so so you you were quite crafty, and you really wanted to get to the bottom of this. And and so so where did where did it go from from Photoshop one point six? Before Photoshop one point six, I was a um, I was lousy at school. I can relate to what Emmanuel was saying about you know being a lousy student, <laughs> and. Happened to go I never to said this, that. <laughs> and happened to go to a school that was actually um, um, like a media studies biased school. They had like a TV studio set up and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So I was kind of fortunate in that I could was a little bit surrounded by that. Anyway, my dad was like, "You're not going to be an artist. Forget it. You're going to cut your ear off to be famous." And I'm like, "What? What? What are you talking about? Why would you? Why would? Who would cut their ear off? <laughs> that never made sense." Give credit to the silly old bastard, and he actually. He was, he knew something about art that I didn't, you know, he says, so you've got to go get a trade. And I went and did electronics for six and a half years before I got my, started my degree in photography. And it was once I got into my degree and did my final year portfolio that that's where I was dived heavily into Photoshop and 3d actually as well. But was there so still a focus while studying? On, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was just wondering, like, was there like, was this goal oriented towards saying like i want to work in the movie business or was this just like hey photography yes. is the next best thing or it was sort of a bit of both i always had that love of photography mm. but in the back of my mind it was photography it would be a road into film and the more and more i learned about matte painting and the more and more i saw saw it i wanted to do that mm, and then because okay. i was reading cinefix from like way back so ah, i could okay. start to see the the encroachment of digital and how that that might eventually become the tool for matte painting. So I guess it was one of the, a perfect storm. Things all sort of came together at that time. And my photography knowledge, knowing Photoshop, creating the portfolio I did in, in 94. I took that to SIGGRAPH in 95. And I got work with Digital Domain. Under the guise of a... Uh, what do they got? The new media department at the time. They were going to get into games and so on. Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, we're going to do this big science fiction game and your work would be great for that. So I was like, awesome, fantastic. Yes. I said, yes. They offered me some money and I just said, yes. I didn't even care about how much it was. I just said, yes. <laughs> so I had to go back to Australia. Uh, I waited nine and a half months for the immigration and the paperwork to go through. And then I went back to LA wow. and started work at Digital Domain the big science fiction game that they talked about didn't exist. So the Monday morning I walk in, they go, some, some of the guys that were already there, like, hey, hey, you're, you're the new guy from Australia. I said, yeah, that's right. And they said, that game doesn't exist, dude. It's not real. I'm like, are you, okay. sh you shitting me? Like, what? Oh, I was like, you're, I sold everything I owned. Everything was just like, I came to America, man. You know, this is, what's going on? Anyway, so that was Monday. Tuesday, I'm walking past the cubicle of this dude and he's reading Mobius, the ink help. Mm, 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 and he's got his back to me so I can see the book. I can see what he's reading. And I've read that graphic novel a thousand times. So yeah. I you know, know all the panels. And there's a panel where these two pyramids you know, are joining. Mm, point mm, to, mm. There's this like beam of light or something where the, just before it becomes the ink help. And I walk past and I see this, his book open. I went... That's the ink hell. 
And he turned around and he said, yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, this is from this you know, dude named Mobius. I said, yeah, that's, my, that's one of my favorite graphic novels. And he's, he picks up on my accent. And he says, hey, uh, who are you? you know? And I said, hi, hey, Wayne. I'm from Australia, blah, blah, blah. And he says, yeah, yeah, we're, uh, we're making a movie based on this guy's stuff. I'm like, are you serious? And he says, yeah, yeah. So what are you doing here? And I said, well, I just got hired by the games department, but they just stiffed me because there was some big science fiction game and it doesn't exist. And I said, <laughs> and now I've got the choice to work on like three of these other dodgy um, games that they were, they were working on. And I said, but I really want to be a matte painter. And he said, well, we're looking for matte painters. Okay. And I said, I said, just wait right one second. And I ran off and I had my folio, which was, uh, where are they? 35 mil mounted slides on black card. That wow. was my folio at the time. So I but ran that off and I got those. purely photography, no? That was purely photography, or was it? Oh, no, it was um, photography. Uh, I photographed models. I had ah, some 3D okay. Photoshop composite and then recorded to 35 mil film. Right, right. And right. I mounted to those cards. So I ran off to my, to my cubicle By the way, and the, got my portfolio. The inco, yeah, that's go. what that's you're talking about, yeah. That's the one, yeah, yeah. So, I bring him back and he's looking at them and I, he's got a loop and I'm, he's like, wow, these are really good. Yeah, cool. Yeah, awesome. By Thursday, I was transferred out of the games department and into the film department and I was working on the fifth element. Wow. Okay. That's uh, so that talking about, about being there at the right time uh, um, that, in the that, right place. That picture in that book mm. was kind of like that moment that those two pyramids and the light and they're like oh yeah, you know just in your head <laughs> Every, seriously everything was just everything came to that mm. point to that moment in my life it was just it's never happened since been... <laughs> come on yeah 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 nobody i know what you it's mean it's been yeah. downhill the whole way oh my the God. first the first job i did after the fifth or not after the fifth album but after i came back to australia was a dog food commercial okay so, okay it's yeah. quite a change of pace. Um, I mean, did you did was there was the contract over with digital digital domain, or did you have to go back for personal reasons? Or yeah, I had to go back. My my grandmother was uh, had cancer, oh, so okay. I, I wanted to go back and spend a uh, spend what time I could with her before she uh, mm. passed on. Um, and I thought I would go back. I thought I would, you mm. know, just. But it never happened. I ended up in a small company in Melbourne and worked on TV commercials and stuff like that and. Then from there, I went to Sydney and I worked on the first season of Farscape TV Yay. series. I'm a big so, fan of that. Okay. Yeah. Can so I was on that for about a year, a year and a half. Okay. Okay. But that, that then, was, I guess, quite different, no? I mean, just to be, I, I'm going to ask my Farscape questions maybe now because, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the show, um, but it must have been quite a, quite a change of, of, pace for you because i mean it, it was a was it an american australian co-production or something like um, that yeah jim henson productions right and right right i with well, jim henson productions but just filmed in australia i'm not sure oh, what the okay, production okay. companies here were so was it quite similar in terms of like uh, what, what you had to do or was it because of the budget quite a bit smaller in scale or yeah smaller you know on the fifth element i think there was a total of 265 visual effects shots in that film mm. Which is like, that's nothing compared yeah, nothing to today's films. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy. And we had, what, eight months, nine months, 10 months or something to, mm. yeah, probably, sorry, it would have been about eight months, eight months to work on that. It was cruisy. It was so cruisy. Digital Bane let me um, learn 
alias Power Animator. I was, you know, learning to build a car, you know, one of the flying cars, and I never finished it. And I was like, okay, you've had your fun for two weeks. Now, you know, get, let's get back to some uh, painting or whatever. Yeah. So uh, they were really generous. And there was tons of time to do stuff like that. It was mm. just creative and we had plenty of time. You could explore the work. You could get into it. Not like, not like now. Mm, so TV just, was it was it a difference only mainly because it was uh, a TV show with a different kind of pace was, or comparatively speaking it was I guess still pretty cruisy compared mm. to today's standards. Mm. Um, but yes, there was several shots per episode. We had all the episodes to do. Mm. Uh, I was one of two map painters. The mm. VFX supervisor was a map painter as well, so we kind of interleaved the, sh the shows that we worked on, mm. sort of stuff. I tried to do and I and I was I don't know whether we succeeded, but You know, back in the day, Star Trek and Next Gen and all these shows, you saw the Klingon Homeworld or some matte painting, and mm. then they reused it and they just graded it day for night. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Same matte painting over and over and over again. I, we tried not to do that mm. with Farscape, at least the first season anyway. I don't mm. know about the subsequent seasons, but that was my goal, was to not to repeat a matte painting, to do something, even if it's a different point of view, just something, anything that was mm. different, which I think we at least... I think I succeeded to some degree with that. Interesting. Yeah. But anyway, I don't want to. I don't want to interject too much here. Um, please, oh, go okay. ahead, please go ahead. Please go ahead. So after after Farscape, then after Farscape, I went back to Melbourne uh, for a year and worked on a project with a friend. And <clears throat> then from there, I went to Weta for a, oh. almost two years and worked on the first two Lord of the Rings films. Oh, okay, okay, great, great, great. As a matte painter. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Mark Stetson, who was the VFX soup on Fifth Element, was the VFX soup on Lord of the Rings. Ah, okay, okay. Before he got asked to leave by Peter Jackson. Okay. We're talking the guy that was the lead model maker of Blade Runner. Right. Mark Stetson is one of those guys that you go, he's, he's one of those greats, you know. If you've ever met him, he's an awesome dude. Just, you know. You need to get him on the show. <clears throat> oh, if you could get him, and he's like... What he's what he's forgotten, where people are still trying to catch up on, I guess. You know, he's just one of those old school artisan, model makers, film guys that era. Which is why I'm so fortunate that I got to work on the Fifth mm. Element with a bunch of those dudes because there was the last of that old school, mm. what I'll call the artisan approach to filmmaking, as opposed to this sort of technical, uh, you know, programming approach. You know, code-driven approach to, mm -hmm. to stuff. As, as, as far as I, I remember, the, in the fifth element, it was still on matte painting on glass. Then? No, no, no. It was already no, they digital. Going, they were, yeah, they were going to do one, and then they they decided not to because I think it was going to cost too much. Fortunately, so that, that me, was, and, and that was your first full-on matte painting gig, right? That was my first film gig. Period. Yeah, because I, I actually want to. Um, You know, I don't know if you want to go through the whole thing and then we come back to certain interesting things or you want to ask because I, I actually want to know how was that? Because you didn't really know Photoshop. Uh, I knew Photoshop reasonably well. Okay. Reasonably well. And I was lucky to have the only version of Photoshop, which I think was version four, which ran on SGI. It was the only copy in-house at the time. They had Macs. Some of the other guys in the other departments had, had Macs. Uh, to use so i could have used one of those and i actually suggested just give me a mac it'd be fine and they said no 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 no. we want you to you know use the sgi and the very first show i ever worked on was painting out a fireman you know that scene where bruce willis dies off that balcony in floston paradise and there's this mm -hmm. ginormous explosion 
but there was guys everywhere with little you know fire extinguishers on the stairway here and there and they had to all be painted out so i painted one of those dudes out using matador oh god i haven't heard that name pig. in a while yeah pig of a bloody <laughs> software just i was like oh my god this is painful you want me to matte paint with this no way so i suggested photoshop and the guy I was working with next to me he had his own copy so he gave it to dd to install and they said all right you, you get to use that so and they gave me this little five by four inch you know wacom tablet at the time and i was like oh it's okay don't worry you know i said i've been using i've been using a mouse i don't need <laughs> they're like what you idiot and once i because, got it and used it i was like oh my god you can use a pen this is unbelievable <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm curious because where's the connection between, obviously you're, you're matte painting at that time and it's still, you know, it's, this is like before Google. So a lot of the, the references are, you know, it, that if you had references, it would be scanned books. in, scanned but, books. um, did you know how to paint already nope. or? No. Nope. So I knew you, how to compo I knew how to composite, mm -hmm. which is what I had been using Photoshop for essentially with a little sort of painting, but I didn't really know how to paint. And on the, you know, the floating tie restaurant shot, mm -hmm. you got that great shot. You got the miniature buildings in the foreground and you got mm -hmm. the matte painting in the background. The 3D, that, that was sort of roughly blocked in, in 3D. And then Kevin Mack, who was a senior in the, in the company at the time, total genius, by the way, they put me under him. They said, Kevin, you got to guide this guy and sort of help him, you know, so he was the one I was working with for the two big map paintings. Anyway, so I'm like cutting out bits and pieces of architecture from scans and whatnot and putting this thing together. And my mate next to me says, what are you doing? And I went, blocking in. <laughs> and he said, dude, I don't think you really know what you're doing, do you? And I said, no, not really. I said, I've never map painted anything before in my life. So he says, maybe you should go talk to Kevin. I said, yeah, I think it's a good idea because I'm struggling here. So I go off and sit with Kevin and I just happened to walk in while he was painting something himself. And so I just, I just sat there and I just watched for the rest of the day. And I was like, oh, that's how that works. Wow, that's cool. And I just kept watching Kevin, just kept watching what he was doing and how it was working. So I was like, all right, cool. And then he, what he'd do is he'd just say, right, here's, here's a bunch of stuff. Now you go from there. You take it over from there and you do this. And then there was a certain point where he just said, the, finish the painting off. It's all yours. Just take, take over because he had other things to do. So by then I kind of started to understand what that meant. I still had to learn a lot. I'm still learning a lot. But that was, um, there was a big jump in a couple of days, like a huge jump in a matter of a couple of days, just intensely watching Kevin Payne go, oh, that's what that's, that's how that works. Mm. Because no, it's, 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 it's just so interesting, that not that how it kind of, you know, for all of us who get thrown into the fire, that's kind of how it, we are always thrown into the fire. It's always oh, like that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I was, and it, I was so eager and, you know, like young and eager and determined to, because I loved it so much. It, failure wasn't an option. You know, so it was just dive in and just have yeah. fun. And there was no, I didn't feel any stress like now. <laughs> it was knowing, <laughs> We're going to have to definitely commercial, you know, anxiety attached to it at that point. I did, there was just the last thing in my mind. It was just all fun. It was just a dream come true. And I, it was just learning. And I was just, I loved it. Just loved it. Yeah. I mean, we'll definitely get to that because I, 
part of it also you jumped into it you know sort of not knowing the process of what a matte painting is yet we're now we're sitting with you and you have your oil painting in the background which is pretty insane and you know i'd love to, obviously <laughs> to hear like how the how did that all you know because you didn't know how to paint no I mean, it's not like you studied <clears throat> it so uh no. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I mean, I, I know I'm kind of derailing the whole <laughs> history okay. of Wayne, but I mean, it's just too interesting not to ask because, like, how did you? So, where did that translate to to, to painting? Because I always wanted to be um, a traditional matte painter. That was the original dream. The the on, just, on glass stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, okay. And that that never happened. Although I did have a chance. I did actually have an opportunity to do that once. Prior to working on di at Digital Domain, I just got the job at Digital Domain when I was at SIGGRAPH in 99. And after SIGGRAPH, I rented a car and I drove you know, all around the place and I visited a whole bunch of um, studios. And one of them was um, Illusion Arts in Van Nuys to visit Sid Dutton. Yeah. All the other places I'd visited were all just office buildings with computers and then i walk into sid's place and his you know motion control cameras and the matte painting set up on you know stands and the lights and i was like wow this is this is it he offered me a job he saw my portfolio and he said well if you ever get bored at that digital domain place you know <laughs> you've got a you've got a position here really uh, yeah it's my one regret my one regret i never took him up on that i was like ah could have worked with a real master like really learned how to paint a long time ago i would have been way better now but it was like i'd gotten the job and i didn't really know you know how secure that offer was and uh, i sort of went with the digital domain one and it turned out to be the fifth element so yeah wow i'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna complain about that yeah and I, learned, and I worked with some awesome guys you know some of course giants in the industry so yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you could be totally looking back now and go, ah, oh, man, I wish I worked on the fifth element. I mean, yeah. you know, like it, it can yeah. always go either way, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, 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 wow, that is really interesting. So, so how did the painting all come together? When, when did you actually start actually uh, uh, learning? I mean, it was a bit of a reaction to your, your, your interview with um, Nicole last week was, was interesting because, you asked her about blacklist and so on. There's a blacklist at Weta. I'm on it. Oh no. <laughs> we, we can talk about that later if you want, but that was the painting was a sort of a reaction for me to get out of get out from behind the computer mm. and learn something that I wanted to do when I was younger. It was like that's I just wanted to learn to paint. Photography was really just an avenue to get to that. And it so just, you, you wanted know, to you, learn how to paint before photography. When I was a kid, I was drawing all the time and I, you know, was trying to learn to paint in school and I, the teachers were terrible. So I never really learned how to paint, but that's what I wanted to do. I loved mm. the science fiction paintings of, you know, Chris Voss and John Harris and Jim Burns and all these guys from the 70s and 80s and all that book cover stuff. I loved it, mm -hmm. loved it. And then one day in, it was year 10, this guy named Chris, I'll never forget his name because kid this chris comes in from another school and we're doing the assignment was to draw illustrate your name in a material 
So I wrote Wayne in big blocks of stone. One of the letters had fallen over. They were chipped and broken. There was pieces around the thing. There were cracks in it and all that kind of stuff. Shaded in pencil. I was like, oh, I'm pretty happy with that. You know, chuffed. I'm ready to put it down and, you know, impressed us, the teacher or whatever. And then Chris puts his drawing down. So imagine this. Piece of aluminium foil, scrunched up, unwrapped, with the word Chris scratched into that foil. And that's what he drew. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. I couldn't, I didn't think I could compete creatively. I thought the concept was, was awesome. And technically, he pulled it off to, to a level I, I didn't think I could compete with. And that's when I made a decision to definitively stop drawing <laughs> and, and take up photography. Because I thought, ah, screw this drawing business. The camera gives me perspective for free. It's all I'm going to do is point the camera at the thing I want to shoot. You know, that's it. It's easy. I'm not, I don't have to worry about competing with this guy. <laughs> Man, probably, this... That's probably my first regret, not the Sid Dutton thing. That'll be the second regret. The first regret is actually not sticking with that. So if any people well, I mean, listening, it's, it, it's really, I'm sorry I have to cut you off here because uh, otherwise I will totally forget um, that I, this is the, um, the one part where I – I just can't believe how similar what you're saying is to what happened to me. Uh, right. But but it was just because I I couldn't draw this one Lamborghini and I just gave up and I said okay <laughs> photography is going to be the thing because well I can't draw but I always yeah. wanted to draw and I'm still learning to to draw now. Yeah. yeah. Same. And, same. Yeah. Okay. So so yeah. so you had that really interesting story and then you know then you went into photography. You know, and then the weather thing, you said you got to get back out. Right. So it was a thing of wanting to get out from behind the computer because, I, you know, when you're on these big films, you just, it's 28 hours a day, mm. eight days a week, just more. So I, at that time, I bought myself a Leica. Nice. And I was just out, whenever, whatever chance I could get out at night and the weekends and just shoot street photography and that sort of stuff because that was, I wanted to get back to just doing that. Mm. And secondly, was to learn to paint because it was a, art store directly across the road from where I was living in Wellington. I was like, I, I, it's about time I went down and bought some damn oil paints. So that was around about 2001. I just went so down did you know what to do started. with the paints? Not really. Sorry. <laughs> no. No. So, so you just kind of winged it. That, that was your goal. Just, I'm just going to wing it. I'm just going to paint. Much. I mean, I, you know, by then we had the internet. So I was learning and stuff and, and reading and, and so on and so forth. There was books and so on. So, you know, I picked up a little bit along the way. And then that, that sort of that dropped off. Um, because once this whole thing blew up with Weta and I got out of there and I came to Sydney and I just was intensely working on TV commercials and stuff and I got involved in being a, a co-founder and a partner of a business that was just disastrous. And then I went traveling for about five months just to get my head out of the film industry and out of advertising and just to reset the soul. You know, I went to North India and the Himalayas and China and I just I needed a reset button for the soul. Mm. Otherwise, it was just, I was going to kill myself. Not literally, but, mm. you know, sometimes there were days you, you felt like that, I can tell you. But, mm. uh, and so the, when I got back, I was like, no, actually, when I was there, I remember sitting, drinking a cup of tea, looking down this valley in the Himalayas, thinking, all this bullshit I'm dealing with back in Sydney it's just that. It's nothing but bullshit. I've just got to get back and go back to the source of the things that gave me joy, and that was painting. And that's science fiction. Painting science fiction in oils. 
big. That's what I want to do. I just have to get back to doing that. And so 2004 was when I was traveling. That's when I started thinking of ideas and getting to that. But it wasn't until about 2008, I think I started to kind of get it, get the painting side of things. And by about 2009, 2010, I started to boost the sort of work that I've got here. This one was done, um, it's 2015. So two, yeah, 2015, I think I did that one. So yeah, that was the original. Well that's that's pretty amazing that you know i mean basically for self-taught right i mean you know you were self-taught and did you use any of the skills that you were picking up say at work you know like doing matte painting did they transfer oh, yeah yeah absolutely absolutely i mean there must <clears throat> have been well, guys at work that, was... that that painted right i mean that you oh, could yeah. kind of yeah i mean that was that and that probably stems all the way back from you know fifth element and into lord of the rings i mean you might you probably know him um um, damn, I just forgot his name. It's gonna kill me if I. <laughs> There's that young Canadian, French Canadian whippersnapper. Uh, What's his name? Um... Ah, damn it, Matt Painter. <laughs> yeah, Matt Painter, young guy. No, he's not young now, but he was in at Weta. Damn it! Come on, son, to my tongue. Oh. He worked at ILM. <laughs> he came like an art director, senior art director at ILM. Jeez, it's just gone out of my head. He's gonna, he's gonna get mad. We all don't know his name anymore. <coughs> oh, it's okay. Man. We'll, we'll cut it in. We'll cut it in, and then you yeah, magically right. know who it is. Yeah. Um, so he was this whiz. He was this young, um, young guy. He was a whiz. He was really, really good. And I just remember sitting there watching him paint. I was like, wow, that's just. He just seems to get it. Like it's from connection from there straight to there, you know. And it's yeah. it's interesting because you you going the other way, which is you started digital, and you said screw it, going back to 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 traditional just for your own sanity, right? I mean, for yeah. your own enjoyment. Were yeah. you thinking of maybe making a career out of these oil paintings and being that person, or was it just I just want to do this for fun? At first, it was fun. At first, it was just to do it because I wanted to do it. And then I thought, well, you know, maybe I could do something with this. Uh, I started looking into possibility of exhibiting these and selling them. And that's when I discovered the uh, show called Eluxcon. It's a, mm. it's like um, Spectrum. It's like, um, you know, one of these conventions, but it's only for traditional art, watercolors, inks, drawing, painting, that sort of thing. But it's all traditional and it's all physical art. And so I, I went to the, I've been to two, I exhibited at two, the first, uh, both in Allentown in, in Pennsylvania, uh, 2014 and 2015. So I, I sold a, uh, a couple of paintings the first year, but I didn't, I sold like one small one the second year. That was a disaster because it cost me a fortune to <laughs> ship them over there and then get myself there and accommodation and all that kind of stuff. And it just cost, and then ship the paintings back because I couldn't leave them there. So... So it didn't really work out as well as I'd hoped because it was a big convention totally devoted to science fiction and fantasy artwork and all these collectors would come through and just, you know, buy what they liked. And I had some success the first year, but the second year, not so much. And I haven't had really had much success with people contacting me about that either, ever since then either. So it just seems to be, I don't know, there's not a great desire for busted spaceships in a desert you know what i mean it's it's a niche of a niche of a niche of a niche 
<laughs> but maybe so. I can maybe I can ask a question here, con, con, kind of connected to that. I mean, since you are um, not like Australia is not really a hub for entertainment um, no. Uh, no. things, entertainment products and, and productions and that kind of stuff. I mean, you, once in a while you get something in your part of the world, like like I don't know, like they, they shot part of the Matrix there, right? There was uh, TV shows like Farscape. Then there's something down at Weta that they're doing, right? But it's not like uh, Hollywood Dream Factory kind of thing, right? I mean, what's your what's your take on Australia being uh, I don't know a place that maybe you feel like is not the ideal place for somebody to start out, or do you feel like? I mean, I'm often of the opinion, for example, that I mean it's good to be away from all the noise to kind of get a bit of distance between yourself and what you do. But I don't know. What's your take on that? Is it if it wasn't for the Wolverine? coming to Australia in 2012, I believe it was in Canada before that for a year or so. And, and I don't know why, but the production shifted from Canada to Australia. If it wasn't for that, I probably wouldn't be working as a concept artist today. For the very reason that the production designer or, or the production and the production designer were forced to hire local talent. Oh, in order okay. to get that tax rebate, you have to hire local guys. Mm. Now, the production designer, Francois O'Day, who I would swim through molten lava for. <laughs> if you're watching, Francois, you know that. I love you, man. I love you. <laughs> Seriously, I, I really would. He, he's one of these guys that totally gets it. He's just, he, it's never a, he's there and you're here. It's always, always that. But when he first hired me, He's like, so do you have a passport? You, are you, do you have Australian citizenship? I said, of course I have citizenship. Why wouldn't I? And he says, oh, I thought you were an American. And I said, why is that? And he said, well, your work is so good. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing he said, here? Yeah. And I said, well, okay, well, that's great. Thanks very much. So he hires me. Then he says, look, we can only hire you for about two weeks, okay? It's just two weeks. That's, that's all we've got. I said, and at the time I was like, just about desperately broke. So I needed the job and I was like, fine, no problem. I don't care. It's okay. No worries. By the end of the first week, he's like, so um, are you, are you available? Like past the two week period? I said, yeah, man, it's okay. I'm, I'm cool. No worries. <laughs> so be, before the end of the first week, he was like, thank God, thank God these guys actually know how to, you know, paint and create this work. And the same thing happened on Alien Covenant. The production oh, okay. designer was exactly the same. He was just shitting bricks that we didn't know. It's Australians, what are they going to do? What am I going to get from these guys, you know? Mm, that's another problem, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was the, we, myself, Evan Shippard, Gerhard Motzi, um, mm. you know, we were jammed in this little room for, you know, I was on the job for 11 months total, but mm. the three of us together was probably about seven months thereabouts, mm -hmm. you know. And he was so relieved. The, the Chris Seegers, the production designer, was so relieved to, to get the work that he was getting from us. He was, again, it was like, oh, God, thank God. So, so Dodged how, a bullet. Yeah, yeah. Because they yeah. just don't know. They just don't expect of to course, see, you know, course, have concept yeah. artists down here that actually know what they're doing. Yeah, that's know? true. That's true. And they're uh, forced to use us. Mm, so mm, had true. Francois not been forced to use me, I would never have met him. He would never have right. met me. And I wouldn't have had. The work that I've had with him over these last few several years since then, mm. um, it just wouldn't have happened at all. Yeah, yeah. 
I think you know I, those guys yeah. have all got their own favorite artist and so on. Of and course, of yeah. course. But yeah, if you're forced to, right, because of, of of these reasons, that's that's very that's true. I mean, do you, do you do you feel like things are changing now? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's like it's like there once in a while there's like high profile big movies coming out of Australia. I mean, I guess Mad Max Fury Road was one of the bigger ones. But I mean, does that have any implications for the Australian film industry or? Is it still meandering around and yeah, yeah. pretty much okay. yeah yeah it's just little bits here and there and and the problem is the government here doesn't have a blanket um, policy on the rebate system mm -hmm. it's like they'll negotiate it per film per production mm -hmm. and then the, the the broader Hollywood system just says well do we have to do we have to like go in and negotiate every time because I think Canada probably has a, a certain set. Mm rebate other countries probably do as well but no not australians no we're going to negotiate it with you per production okay. and it's going to vary so the of course the the productions are saying no we need to know numbers we need to be able to bank on a certain number ahead of time because yeah, you know and then south africa says well we've got this blanket system and they go okay we'll go there mm. and australia misses out or it happens to work in our favor for some reason and then they they bring it here interesting, interesting. so yeah so we get pretty much whatever whatever film comes to this to the country that's what we'll likely get to work on mm. and that's when we get to meet production designers international designers and then we if with any luck we get to work with them again further on mm -hmm. well that's 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 interesting and 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 i think um my question is probably again the same one which is you know you've gone from photography to to matte painting and that's a you know like a complete new learning experience then you went from matte painting to painting uh oil painting which is and then now you're going to concept art which is yet another completely different discipline really i mean it's not about how well you paint it's really concept art is more design oriented it is you know how was that transition i mean terrifying I <laughs> I'm sure. Tell, I'm, tell us more. <laughs> well, I'm I'm really good at. Uh, I think my brand of concept art is that is that cinematography uh, slant. It's that view of what would this look like if the cinematographer was shooting it. The, the photographic aspect of a space or a place or whatever. I terrifies me designing architecture. Terrifies me designing vehicles. I don't do characters. But I've got a good eye for composition and what focal length to choose and where to place the camera and that sort of thing. And I get lucky with the rest, pretty much. You know, there's plenty of kit bash stuff out there for architecture and so on. And I can make stuff work. You know, mm. there's bash enough stuff together. I can make it work. But I try to find that photographic viewpoint. So, so is that more key? It's going back to that. Kind of, I suppose. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I just came off um, foundation. And they asked me to do, you know, design this this spacecraft. Mm. The first season of Foundation, they had Paul Chattison right, right, designing right. all that, and I'm like, you, whoa, 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 you asking me to design, and you just had him doing it, and you want me to? No, 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 no. I was like, I said, no, no. I said, I can't fill those shoes. Uh -uh. And they said, well, we don't have anybody else. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, you're know, really, really fast ramp up onto um, into improving my hard surface modeling skills just to get something you know presentable you know 
So, but, uh, but most... I mean, you're, you're used to that because, I mean, the yeah, truth of it say. is, uh, you know, you, you know, one thing that seems remarkable to me is, is, uh, the different careers and different disciplines that you'd had to pick up pretty quickly. Uh, there is, is there a common thread and, you know, is there a special way that you learn these things or, you know, is there any, or you just, ah, I'm just going to put my head down and brute force it. <laughs> well, there's that, there's that, there's always a bit of that. Um, it's like learning to, you know, service my own car. You know what I mean? It's like before I became an artist, I worked as an electronic technician for six and a half years with the department of defense. And so during my um, apprenticeship schooling, one of my teachers, we're all dicking around on the bench, blowing capacitors up and transistors and this, that and the other. And we're having fun, you know, and skylarking about. And the teacher said, boys, boys, he says, I know it's fun. And I, there's, there's learning to be had blowing things up. Don't get me wrong. He says, but just remember, learn to learn. And we all stopped like yeah that's a pretty yeah that's cool and then we sort of got got into the work and i never forgot that ever and i've never been afraid to dive into something that i don't know like you know doing a valve adjustment on an e46 m3 for example which for those who don't know that's a pretty you know delicate little job on a, on a car and an engine but you can learn this stuff it's on youtube there's you know there's nothing you cannot learn today mm. compared to what I saw as a kid or what I, you know, growing up, there was none of those sort of opportunities, but now my God, there's no excuse but, but to go think, dive into something uh, that you've never done before. But, but don't you think there's a danger of like overthinking things? Like you, you watched, you watch too many YouTube videos and you just end up watching YouTube videos without doing the work because you think like, ah, oh, it's so difficult because whereas before you were like, I'll just, I'll just do it because I don't know. Well, I don't know how stupid it is to, to, to actually attempt doing it. I don't know. Well, being a, being a trained technician, I was, you know, I, I had an approach. I was trained to approach technical things like that in a certain way mm -hmm. and not be afraid of it mm. and to do the research required and get the right tools required and all that sort of thing. So I guess learning hard surface modeling or any of these sorts of things is just the same for me. It's just mm. never been. It's just that pressure of I've got to do it now and I've got to do yeah. it as fast as I can. It's that that's the anxiety part is the is the pressure and the time constraints. Mm. You just wish, you know, we had time. Because when you're in the thick of doing the job, you don't have that time. Mm. You know, so when you get asked to do a certain thing that you need to learn, you're doing it on top of the job itself. And then they go like, Where's that bloody you know, where's that painting? Where's that shot? Where's that design? Do you, do you then like consciously try to like, let's say you have downtime between jobs. Do you consciously go out and like say like, hey, I want to learn uh, something new or are you just like, okay, I'm going to switch off and then whatever happens during the job uh, happens during the job and I'll, I'll get to it then. I try and switch off as best I can if it's possible, but usually it's always, it's always ticking away. The switch <laughs> off mean doing oil paintings and stuff like that. What, what do you do Not when you switch off? Not for a while. Uh, try and get out with my partner. We go out and go bushwalking. She's mm -hmm. a photographer and mm -hmm. she does a lot of nighttime photography and I'm holding lights and that sort of stuff. She does this real amazing, interesting sort of long exposure nighttime stuff. So we go out looking for landscapes. I'm also doing um, plein air. Oh, nice. Damn. So I like doing that. So painting. Well. So painting. Painting. Well, sort of. I haven't done much of that lately, but 
just to get out, get out from behind the box, mm, see real, good. real life, breathe fresh air, get some sunshine, all that sort of thing. Which I don't get. There's real. Of. There's life behind the. Yeah. I didn't. Hey, it's Australia, okay? There's more than anything, <laughs> anywhere yeah. in the world, right? Yeah. You probably have the best, the best backyard in the world, so to speak, um, to get out and experience. Yeah, but everything things. in Australia wants to kill you. <laughs> oh, true. Nah. That's why it's you wear true. boots and yeah. socks and everything. That's true. When you're walking around the bush, I mean, the weird thing is, you know, my partner and I always talk about this. We're always worrying about, like, when we go, we carry a snake bite first aid kit, just in case. But we've never seen a snake. Oh, yeah. Because of the first aid kit. It's not, well, it's not worth it. Usually we make a bit of racket walking through the bush, so they're probably well aware and they're just like getting getting out of there. You know, the snakes usually just don't want to be around humans anyway. So, And then, strangely enough, she saw one in the backyard of her sister's place on the coast and it was like right there, right in the grass. I was like, wow. We've never seen one in the bush, but you see one in the backyard on the coast. Where, but, where uh, do you live? I live in Sydney. Yeah, Sydney. I, I'm, okay, yeah. yeah. So it's just a city, just like every other city. Yeah, know. yeah. There's a couple of nice so, places. But... So I, I was wondering when you were talking about the, you know, you were doing a, like a ship design that, you know, you obviously didn't think you were like the best person for the job, uh, you know, at that moment because of, you know, some other people were on it. And I guess you've really liked their work. H how did you, I mean, how did you just say, okay, you know, I, I, this is what I have to do now. So what did you do? I mean, did you like just like you know, kind of like to Jan, what Jan was saying, did you just go like look up a whole bunch of like ship designs or did you, you know, like what, this what do you do? This particular one, they'd already given me uh, just a very crude version, a very, very crude shaped model right. of that. So I had that to go on. So it wasn't blue skying this, this design. Mm -hmm. um, so that was okay. That was at least I had that jumping off point. But it was, again, it was very crude. So... How do you just, you know, good quality hard surface modeling, which I was not, not into. I hadn't been in that area. So, and it was just a lot of YouTube videos very late into the night, you know, working out, shit, how do I do this with Maya? How do I do this with Maya? Should I do Blender? Maybe I'll go watch one of Jan's tutorials. <laughs> God. <laughs> No, because I know Maya. I know Maya already. I know enough of Maya. I'll just hmm. use that. I'll just have to stick with that. And then I just found guys that were doing it with Maya, and I just went from there. Because so. of the nature of uh, your work, which is uh, you know tighter, uh, so you were you were doing like putting that ship into keyframes and stuff like that, and and no, I think it. I suspect they just got sick of you know that this process of being dragged out. I. They may not have, but I suspect it was taking longer than, than they wanted. And I told them that in the beginning. I said, look, this is not my sphere. It's not my wheelhouse. I said, so don't expect this to happen overnight. I said, I'm going to have to learn some new skills here just to get this going for you guys. And they're like, ah, it's okay. It's okay. And you hear that, but then the reality is that it's not okay because they need it, you know, within a certain time frame. And that's understandable. So I suspect they just took it and then maybe gave it to somebody else to, to incorporate into whatever shot. So... But it was good because the next shot I got was taking a spacecraft that they had already designed, but I needed to modify that. They built, they built most of the uh, miniatures, oh, sorry, most of the spacecraft, or all of them, I think, as miniatures. So that's a cool thing about Foundation is that they're reverted to miniatures. They mm -hmm. model them, 3D print them in pieces, 
and they built them as, as these miniatures. So that's really cool. But anyway, so I had to modify the model. So learning all that hard surface stuff that I did before, I could now adapt this second one for my purposes of getting into a shot and all that sort of stuff. So it's, you know, nothing learned is a burden, particularly not in this industry. Yeah, I mean, nowadays, are you uh, uh, doing a mixture of paint and 3D and rendering? Or are you doing just more rendering and less paint? I mean... It's usually... It's definitely a mix of both. I start off in 3D and I'll, what I used to do was probably just have a grayscale model of whatever the scene was, bash together some stuff, I'd get a, a general light direction and I'd spend ages getting the camera right. That was the thing I spent a lot of time on, just getting that composition. What focal length do I want? Where's the camera? And I'd spend ages just perfecting that. And then once I had that, I just render out a few different layers and then I just paint everything on top of that grayscale base start with the sky, build it up, away you go. Yeah, it's all, all the stuff you've learned is kind of all coming together, you know? It's like yeah. the photography, the the painting. I mean, you know, you could paint it from scratch in Photoshop if you needed to, but obviously, you know, and then now the design, concept design part of it, you put it all together. It's like... Well, one of the things I've discovered that <clears throat> I quite enjoy doing with the concept outside, I guess this is one of the things, and I don't know whether you guys ever do this or not, is getting correct scale with uh, figures, camera placement, height off the ground, any of those sorts of things, sort of the real world cinematography aspect mm. of that concept mm. art. Definitely. And I say that because um, one of the, the opening scene of Alien Covenant in that room, that big white room, that was all built to scale. The figures I had in there, the Steinway piano, the chairs, everything was scaled. The Statue of David is the exact height and all that sort of stuff. And so when I did that, the set designers took that 3D model, turned that into a CAD drawing. They built that as the set. And on the day of that shoot, there was an X on the floor, the studio floor, right where my 3D camera was supposed to be. And my concept art was paint, uh, painted or stuck to the floor. Mm. And so Ridley Scott set up his camera exactly in that position mm -hmm. with the same lens oh, that I'd great, established man. for that shot. That, that, that proves that so it's he so was, he was yeah. A, yeah, he was a big proponent of that. He loved all that stuff. You know, that was what he saw as the concept art was, that was it. That was mm -hmm. absolutely, like he, when, it, when he said that was done, it's because he knew exactly that's what he was going to do. Yeah. Whereas, you know, other directors are like, eh, just get it in a ballpark and I'll, you know, do, fudge it on the day. But he was yeah, very I, I, I think a lot of people are, are not aware that, I mean, I, I don't have that, not aware, but I would say that uh, a lot of film concept art, I mean, film in particular, uh, you have to actually be very, very knowledgeable or, or at least have a good idea of photography, film and, you know, camera back, cinema, focal lengths and all that right. kind of stuff. because. Yeah. Ultimately, uh, I think what that's what directors uh, respond to the most because it needs to feel like film, and it's yeah. not just in the photo real aspect of it. It's how you use the camera, and I think a lot of people, they that's does because they come from painting, so they don't right. really understand that. Oh, you know, like focal length. I mean, because if you ask them, they would be like, I, I, I don't know. You know, yep. I don't know what yep. focal length this is. I mean, yeah. it's a warped the, the fault, image. The fault camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or they don't even use 3D. They'll just draw it, right? I mean, it, yep. it just depends. But I, 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 I think it's just it's interesting because you, 
I, I looked at your, your covenant stuff that you posted on Twitter and it's just amazing. I, I mean, I love it. Uh, and it's just seamless. Uh, so that's what directors like to see too, you know, yeah. like a good yeah. shot and they can't be taken out of that moment too much. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I think all your skills just kind of culminated to make that perfect, you know, like concept artist for film. I mean, that's to me, a, there's no better skill, you know, like the skills you have are perfect for that. <laughs> Well, right. And that, I guess that's where I, I love doing that sort of stuff. And I'm not, I don't call myself a designer because I don't design stuff. I, usually I get given set designs from the set designers or vehicles from someone else or spacecraft. And I'll just put it all together. But it's that cinematography side that I love piecing together. And I mean, I got, I got asked by the cinematographer on Ghostbusters Afterlife through Francois. He said, hey, listen, this, this one's not for me, but this is for the DP. He wants you to kind of lay out a shot of this farm because he'd seen the work that I was doing and Francois and I had worked on several projects so he kind of knew my background and he knew my photography bent because I'd say things like he might say I don't know make that why is that so bright can you make it darker I'd say well no that's called luminance range mate I said that's exposure we're indoors you're looking outdoors so you know if you're lighting indoors guess what's going to be brighter outdoors that sort of thing you know it's just understanding of how film will work or exposure will work. And he would always go, ah, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot you're a photography guy. So it was really cool that through, through him, the DP asked me to do a piece of, uh, of, for this farm because they were shooting kids on that film. So um, they had, they've got a real farm they built on location and they, they rebuilt the farm on stage so they could film the kids all day long, you know. And he just wanted to get a lot, an idea of what the lighting on that farm should be and that, that environment before they committed to building the farm on, on set. So, so that was kind of cool, you know, to have a DP say, hey, uh, can you get him to do this for me, you know? So looking back at sort of this, I mean, this long career that you've had, I mean, is, is there one project that you go, oh, that's pivotal or, or your favorite or anything like that. Well, that'd be the fifth element. Mm, yeah, I imagine. Sure. <clears throat> Got that. The fifth, the fifth element, man. Yeah. Um, the Wolverine, because I met Francois. Um, and that's been a great... I kind of see that as being one of those... I've read about... You know, you read these books about film guys or a visual effects person. And, you, you know, so-and-so worked with so-and-so for many years. or And they worked on all these productions together. And there's this sort of relationship that kind of develops. And I never really had that with anybody in the film industry until I met Francois. Not that we've worked on a ton of things, but we've worked on several things. And I kind of, he's been this guy that's been there in the last several years that things pop in and out. And, you know, I kind of really respect the dude and I respect what he works on. And I respect his artistic, you know, visions and, and what he does. And that's been nice to have that over the last several years or since 2012 is de developing a relationship with a designer that you can always come back to one day, you know, every now and again, you, you meet up again and you work on another project, you know, and it becomes the working with the people, less so the project, you know. No, I totally like not, get that. If it wasn't, I don't care if I don't, if I don't ever work on Star Wars, but I really care about working with, you know, say Francois or something like that. So, if that's uh, you get to my age you just want a, a really good experience and you just want somebody yeah. who respects what you do and they understand your process and you've got a shorthand and you don't have to explain yourself over and over again and 
you know, all that sort of yeah. stuff is pretty seamless and you just enjoy it. You know, you get back to that enjoyment thing of working that way. And if you're late for some reason, he's not going to, you know, bag you out and you probably know there's a good reason for it and vice versa. There's trust. There's trust there. Yeah. 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 It's a creative, well, personally creative trust. Absolutely. Yeah, it's valuable. So, it's like. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. Um, so what, what's next for you? What's next? Well, more of the same, really. I don't know whether the, the NFT thing will ever take off for me personally. I don't know. I haven't sold anything yet, so I no clue if that will free me from the, uh, the film industry. And I don't mean that in a bad way. But there was that promise of, you know, the, uh, the golden land of opportunity and adventure, <laughs> you know, the NFT colonies sort of uh, quote that I said. There was always that. As an artist, you know, you always want that. Is that that promise of if someone could give you a shit ton of money, you could just paint all day long. You could just create your stuff all day, shoot, paint, whatever it is you think you want to do and just be left to do that. And people would buy that artwork. That's the, always the dream. Someone to allow that to happen. The reality is who knows? I think people bought into the NFT thing because of that promise. And I think that was very short lived. Mm. So I, the reality is I don't know. So for me, the reality is wait till the next film job comes through, mm. keep painting, get outside, do some more landscape painting. That's it, really. It's nothing, uh, nothing momentous, put it that way, on the horizon. Just more, more of the same and just get better at what I do. And as I think I said in one of the comments on, on the, one of your early shows, the whole NFT thing is done, has lit a bit of a fire under my backside to get back into painting and get, think about more, more paintings and get that creative juices going, you know, so that's been good. Yeah, I think that's that's what, well, at least for me, I know that that's what NFTs has been really good in that sense. I mean, money making or not, I think it, it's right. it's gotten me to, you know, sort of start thinking artistically uh, using my own voice to speak and to say something. Uh, and for, you know, a lot of people who have sort of, you know, slow down their own personal work, maybe it's time to pick it back up. Uh, you know, collaborate with other people, whatever that might be. I, I think it's it's been positive in that sense. Um, and, you know, obviously everybody has a different payout, you know, of, you know, what, whatever they, you know, whenever they got into it on whatever platform and whether they were lucky or not. Uh, and it just, you know, and, and it's not to say that NFTs is dead. It's just that uh, I think it's it's slowed down a lot. Um, right yeah, I, I've read a lot of stuff from some of the collectors talking about, you know, they, they think the artist should start off with less or, or reduce their prices and not mint so often and so on and so forth. And yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, you guys started this. We didn't, you know, you guys threw this money into the into the pit in the first place. So what do you expect us to do? You know, because as you know, there's always that. It's that mirage, it's that damn mirage on the horizon. You think there's artistic freedom right over there. If I could just reach out and grab it, you know. And every artist has that. <clears throat> no, and that mirage is certainly there. Uh, and, but, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I think it's one of these things where, 
uh, for me now, I, I, I look back and I think, well, as long as it's gotten me to um, get past a certain hurdle uh, to express myself more, I think that's already reward in itself uh, right. because I really would have just kept job after job after job after job. And now I'm like, well, maybe I should take a break and really yeah. just kind of slow down a little bit um, and think about what I want to do. Because, you know, I'm not young either. <laughs> you know, I, you know yeah. I'm getting up there and I don't have, you know, many years of energy. You know, like I, I want to use these prime years to do something that I can look back and say, well, you know, that's something that I really wanted to do, you know. And when you're working yeah. on the film, ultimately, you know, you're still doing someone else's vision. That, that's yeah. me. Is, yeah. is that something that you think, wow, you would also like to do something that's just sort of purely your own? Are you working on any stories or I mean, anything? Well, I've got this sort of loose story attached to these paintings. Um, one of the original ideas I had was to publish these as a, a large format book. And there might be short stories in there or a, say, novella length story. Whether I would write it or someone else, I don't know. But my original idea was... A story about an artist who lived wherever that is 500 years ago and so you're reading about an artist's life and the paintings that they painted during their lifetime during some event perhaps I'm not sure what that might be but some kind of thing some historical event something significant in that person's life and that you as the reader of this book you're reading the past. You're reading about that artist's life a long time ago and, and what they painted. And, and so that was some idea I had of what I might do with these paintings is just a, a, just a nice, big, fat book that people can just pour over and dive into and just, you know, lap up. And just much like, you you know, I don't have them handy, but you look at those rough Macquarie Star Wars books, you know, that's not a very different type of book, but, man, you can just... Big. It's a big book, and you can pour over those drawings forever and ever. You know, it's just beautiful work. It's that sort of thing. You know, mm. I mean, I love Star Wars and I love the film industry, but my my first some of my earliest memories of science fiction art were books and book covers, Chris Voss and all those guys. And so I love that. There's something about just sitting down with a big book and looking at these pictures and just immersing yourself in that. You know. But I have to paint hundreds. <laughs> I have to paint hundreds of paintings just to <laughs> fill a book. So, um, or not? Be... I mean, you know that you don't not. have to. Yeah. You know, no. I mean, I, I just, I think it's just whatever rocks your boat, and or it could just be like big paintings you're painting now, uh, yeah. and 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 finding you know joy in doing that um, yeah. because I think it's pretty. When I looked at you, you know, because you obviously scanned it in, and 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 you know, um, I saw it on on your Twitter, and I think um, it, it's a really unique look. I think that's quite interesting. You know, when you're actually painting something sci-fi, because that that is kind of gone now. I mean, it's all kind of 3D. Uh, you know, I, I'm guilty of that because I'm, you know, that's how I know how to do a lot of these things. But that's why I think what you do has a unique kind of look to it because it's done traditionally uh i mean especially you know the, your paint oil painting so um that actually grabbed my t attention and I, I thought it was really cool i love seeing the setting of sci-fi in like an oil painting uh, a proper yeah. one and not just you know a photoshopping because you, you can tell when it's photoshop painted <laughs> um well, yeah. yeah yeah of course 
but I, I love it. So I, I, I would definitely want to of, see more. Um, you know, the materials and the brush and feeling it and, you know, there's no undo button. There's no, there's no safety in it necessarily, except for, you know, a scraper or a bit of sandpaper if you make a mistake, you know, and, but just the, the physicality of doing it as well. There's, there's smells of the paint and the, the linseed and whatnot. And you're standing up, it's, you're not in front of a computer, you're not bombarded by this light source all day long. And it's, it's nice. It's really nice. It's fun, you know. How long does it take you to paint one, like, like say the one behind you? How long the, what's... This one, this is somewhat based on a digital painting I did for a, a film job that never happened. So there was this, that, and that painting started life as a photograph I took in New Zealand, a landscape shot. And that sort of evolved and morphed, and then I put this craft in there. So I kind of had the composition pretty much figured out way ahead of time. I just knew I wanted to do something with it, and I wasn't quite sure what. And then one day I just started drawing into this painting. I was like, yeah, I think this is, you know, yeah, yeah. And the, the painting itself came together within about, I think, two weeks or, you know, a week and a half. Um, one of the big paintings that I've done is that Sky Burial 2 painting. That was probably about six months, eight months, maybe 10 months from memory somewhere. It, it was started off with a reverse composition. I wasn't happy with the painting. It was just, it wasn't. It wasn't happening at all. And I scraped off and I paint again. And then it was like, ah, oh, I took a picture of it. Took, yeah, you can't yeah, flip you, the yeah, cameras. Yeah, exactly. You, you can't flip the cameras. Over. Exactly. So um, <laughs> I took a photo of it, took that into Photoshop, and I worked it. And I just kept going until I got a hook. I needed that hook into the thing that I could see and go, that's it. That's it right there. That's got it. Got that bit. And that'll inform the rest. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to flip the composition. I'm going to paint it bigger. So I started that completely from scratch and did it all over again. And so that whole process is, you know, say like 10 months. But that's obviously between work and jobs and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was around about 2008 that I seriously dived into the oil painting stuff. The GFC hit. I was out of work. I had no film work here. And that lasted for quite a while. The global the financial crash you know oh, okay. 2008 so that really that really screwed me up um but i had time on my hands so that's when i really thought right start building a studio in my apartment bedroom and just get into it you know so these days you're you're pretty much uh, i mean so you have you have some relationships with some uh pds and 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 whatnot but is it mostly that you, you just work remotely for, for productions out of the UK or US? Or, I mean, are you often whoever, attached to... Whoever calls. Okay. Yeah. Exactly, whoever, whoever calls. calls. Whoever calls. Yeah. Oh, I mean, most of my work is from, say, Francois or, the, or designers mm -hmm. overseas, mm -hmm. but not... If Francois drops dead, I go, I'll go broke, put it that way. If uh, the, the designer I worked with on the foundation, if he drops dead, I'll probably definitely go broke. So there's two designers I've done a lot of work for in the last mm. few years, and that's about it. But I don't get I don't get too many calls. 
It's not. Uh, my but, phone's not ringing off the hook down here. So. Yeah, no, I know. I know. I know that feeling. I know that feeling. I mean, uh, uh, in Singapore, yeah. there's also nothing, right? There's there's really right. absolutely nothing. There's not even like there. There are sometimes productions coming here, like um, part of Westworld season three was shot here. Then some abysmal movies like uh, the Hitman or whatever, right? They're suddenly here for whatever reason or crazy rich Asians, but they don't they don't need concept art. Um, right. So, but yeah. there's not even like there's not even like any uh, any need to hire locals or anything so we're just like completely at the liberty of yeah us uk productions and and we're in a different time zone and remote and as much as that doesn't matter so much anymore in a, in a post-covid world um it, it still is a factor right so um there are always these clients that we have that kind of um make or break a year for us financially right oh um, yeah so, yeah. so <clears throat> it's not yep. like hey we're in a union and like our phones off the hook yeah like like ringing non-stop no, it's, no, not, not, it's not like that at yeah. all and that's i mean i also also take like i can't rely on the film industry it's it's impossible right it's going to be games commercials uh, all sorts of other stuff that we need to do right i am i'm um, uh, podcasts and tutorials and whatever NFTs, right? We'll take yeah, everything yeah. we can get our Sky hands packs. on. Yeah, so um, that's what it is, right? But uh, I mean, yeah. like like Emmanuel already asked, right? Like, do, do, you, do you develop stories or like, are you are you because you have reinvented, not reinvented, but you have evolved um, kind of again and again um, out of like the photography and then painting, matte painting, concept art, like. Um, but it seems like it, it's kind of like. Um, it's not like oh I, I i want to do this right now and then you just make everything happen in order to get there right it's it was it was more a, a reaction towards your environment right in terms of how things evolved um but so yeah. it's, it's interesting yeah pretty it much it'll be interesting to see what's what's next because i think it's impossible for us to know what will come next right um it's it's really um it's really interesting but you you never know right you never know maybe um maybe uh, there there's a mad max uh, a sequel in the works right and and they're going to probably do part of it in australia uh, as well i guess um but uh, let's see what happens that's, that's the that's the weird thing about my career i've rarely contacted by people in the industry yeah. here um I, despite working on Farscape, the TV series, mm. w which was done here in Sydney back in uh, 19, it was 90, 98, yeah. 99, sort of like a year, a year and a half, that company eventually went out of business. And across mm. the road was Animal Logic at the time before oh, they were yeah, at the Fox yeah. Studios lot where they are now. So it was just a much smaller company. So they like knew of my existence. Mm. So from 1999, it took 10 years before I got asked to do a job at Animal Logic. Crazy. And so 10 years. Uh, yeah, the, the, and the, I'm in the same city. <laughs> but you might you might and as that was well, only under suffering. You might as well be uh, a whole world away. Right. Um, so right. Yeah. So it's really strange how yeah. that works. So in terms of like if you have like aspiring Australian concept artists, like what would be the thing you would tell them? Like what would you recommend them to do? I teach as well. I teach color and light at a small school here in there Sydney because, you know, it's that extra funding and extra money. So, and I tell my students just, if you can get out, go to America, go international. If you really want to do it, if you're really that hardcore about it, that's what you have you to do. You want to have a career, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I did. I was, I, mean, I went you... through, 
I went through Cinefix. Yeah, do you do you sorry, um do you think being geographically in a place is important more or uh is that why? If you're younger, I think if you're younger you can go to those hot spots. You know, had I you know, had I stayed in the US and stayed at Digital Domain, who knows where I would have been now, you know. It was definitely the place. I mean, God, Digital Domain, it was just the interview with a vampire, Apollo thirteen, True mm-hmm. Lies, Fifth Element, Titanic. I mean, we're talking some of the biggest films like that have ever been made. You know, it was the hot spot of that stuff around that time. I may have bounced into other companies, but it's definitely where it happens. It doesn't happen in Sydney. They bring productions here occasionally, and it's only because we have Fox Studios here, and that was the only reason I think they bring stuff to this country. And then rebates, of course. Um, they did Star Wars, the, you know, the prequels here, the first three prequels mm. in, in at Fox Studios. I never got a phone call. I didn't even know that was being made here. <laughs> that, that's the, you know? that's an interesting thing. It's like, yeah, I mean, you, it's weird. You would, you would you would assume in a small industry, in a, in a everybody would know each other, but it still doesn't quite doesn't quite work that way, right? No, no. There's no guarantees in that regard. Definitely not. So, um, but yeah, as far as young people are concerned, I'd say just get, if you're in Australia or a smaller country, you can get to the US, Canada, maybe, I don't know whether that's, you know, I've never worked in games, so maybe Canada is the hotspot for games, you know, if that's where you want to go. Mm, it has a lot being made, yeah. But, uh, if, but if you're young and you, you're mobile and you can get out and do that stuff, for sure, absolutely. If you do, you're not tied down by family or anything, go for it, for sure. If you're in what, Australia... What if- what if you're not mobile or 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 it's not a reality to leave where you're coming from then i think it's easier today than it certainly was in my time because now you've got art station you've got online portfolios it's pretty mm-hmm. easy to if you're good enough if your work is stand out enough people will eventually see it and if you're on twitter put nfts aside just for a second a lot of the marketing stuff that they're teaching us the collectors are talking about and and telling artists you should be doing that for the film industry anyway, if that's what you want to get into. It's the same stuff. It's the same, same applies. So get out there, talk to production designers, get your mm. work out, you know, art directors and so on and so forth. So I think it's easier today because we've got this online system, people are used to it. We've laid the path for that. It's not as hard. You don't have to go. But if you can go, that means they get to yeah. hang out with guys like, you know, their peers in, in, in the same city and they can go do things and you develop networks and you become friends and friends recommend yeah. other friends for jobs and so on. And that's it's a flow on effect. Yeah. It's funny it's because just... nowadays <laughs> nowadays you, you almost don't know what city to pick because you know, it's not necessarily LA anymore. It's right. like it's all yeah. over those. It could be Atlanta. It could be Canada uh, because they're right. shooting a lot in Vancouver. It could be England. I mean, it, it could be anywhere. So it's kind of like <laughs> it used to be just LA. Now right. it's like, yeah. Yeah. hmm, not quite sure <laughs> where right. I'm yeah. going to go. Well that's, well, that's a good point. So then maybe it has d- diluted quite a lot around the world now because mm. of that. But I mean, and maybe because people can work remote, so it's. But I, I think, I think if we take anything to, to kind of wrap up, to wrap up our our episode here, I think that one of the main things that we I've learned that we've learned from from hearing your stories is that I mean, 
yes there's there's some like there can be a benefit to being in a, being being in a, in a in a hub but i think it's more about uh being at the right place at the right time and and having a bit of luck and 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 perseverance right like you said like you you've been you've been you you went out of your way to to sigraph uh around the world right it's really far from from melbourne sydney to la it's really freaking far and and you've put yeah. yourself out there and then you got the opportunity at at um at uh, uh, digital domain right and then it kind of almost fell apart but then you saw the inca right and then so you 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 took the opportunity and then you you learned on the job which is really hard to make things work and then you persevered like the 10 years between between after Farscape right so it's like um, if anything it's it's about stamina and it's about uh, yeah that tiny bit of luck but I think you can you can make things work anywhere you are and I mean even though you are in LA it's not like you're gonna be, you can just like sit back and great things will happen to you right you still need to work hard and, and bide your time and um and and wait for that for that little opportunity right because i mean if you're in a, if you're in a hub it also means everybody else is there and the competition is a lot harder right whereas um if you if you're in australia right now maybe it's worth to like pop by and learn from from wayne at a school and get some like ask him about all the all the great things he's done i think um yeah my students are usually asleep oh how dare they <laughs> how dare they that's that's not nice yeah. um but anyway i mean emmanuel do you have any any last question to ask um not really a question i mean it's more of a, a you know i i just hope that people really understand you know i mean a part of what you're saying also Jan, is is what wayne has been through. I mean, it's it's very downplayed, and you're very humble about your you know what you've done. But I, I also think that it it takes a certain kind of person to be able to be you know thrown into these situations, learn, and have the self confidence to say, hey, you know, I can do this. Uh, but it's going to take a certain amount of learning, and and to learn it, and then to do it, uh, and to have done it with so many different kinds of skills. I think a lot of I just want people to really have a think about that because it's it's very doable for anybody who believes in themselves. Um, yeah, were you going to say something? If I can do it, trust me, anybody can do it. <laughs> Come on. I was, um, yeah. No, seriously, I'm this shit. <laughs> There's the humbleness the from, from the from the working suburbs of Melbourne, you know, and the idea that I could get from that place, from what I saw, is this unreachable goal, and um, and just work at doing it just because I, I had no choice. I felt I had no choice, but I just had to do it, you know, and if I can do it, anybody could do it really. Yeah. Well, I'm not so sure about that, but uh, I mean, I, I believe that if you put your mind to it, a lot of people, you can achieve what you want, but uh, uh, that's downplaying all the hard work that you've put in. Oh, right. I mean, that's like, I go back to, you know, the electronics thing and the teacher telling us, you know, boys learn to learn. Uh, and also, going through an apprenticeship schooling and learning a whole trade and learning to fail and learning to learn and and learn complex things and i hated my god i hated um i didn't hate electronics but i didn't i really didn't want to be doing that job it's because my parents pressured me into getting a, a an apprenticeship and i was like oh god no the first day on that job i'm like four years four years it was like a prison sentence it literally going through these gates <laughs> You know, I'm like, oh, God. So they give me this little tour of this area that I'm going to be working in. 
and what do I discover? There's a dark room in the facility. Mm. I'm like, there's a dark, why is there a dark room in here? And the guy's like, well, we design and print our own uh, printed circuit boards and we do um, photographic uh, scaling and reproduction of the, of the printed circuit board designs. We use lift film, but not like lift film, you what, you've got lift film? And that was it. My whole attitude changed about that place. By the time I finished there, six and a half years later, I controlled and ran the entire darkroom and I was just ordering in materials and, you know, photographic paper and I printed my entire folio in there and it was awesome. But, but it was that, it takes, so I used it takes that. energy and dedication to, to turn such a opportunity into something positive. Not everybody can do that. A lot of people would just say like, ah, okay, I'll just do my job nine to five and then get, get out. Right. It, it takes quite some. Don't get me wrong. There were moments I hated that place oh, yeah. and I hated it with a fiery passion and I didn't want to be there. Yeah, and I was probably a real pain in the ass to a lot of the guys I worked with. But it's the greatest gift I've ever had was working in that factory. Yeah. Nothing in art has given me the, what I got from that place. Nothing. Everything I've that's of real value I got from working in that factory, working with a group of guys learning things that were complex and hard and I didn't get and I didn't like doing, mm. but I was forced to, this is why I tell my students, if you've got to paint something that's a subject matter you don't like, learn to fall in love with some part of mm. it. You've got to learn to fall in love mm. with the painting because if you don't, it's a chore. Mm. And if it's a chore, you're just gonna, not going to do it very well. You're not going to do it at all. You're not going to mm. do it very well. But if you can find some component or some part of that painting to fall in love with, it's much easier. For me, I'll paint anything. It's about the light. light yeah, I mean, I, I So I don't I care can't. what it is. I really don't. Just light and composition and I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm there. Yeah. It's fine. No, no drama. I, I can't agree with that more because, uh, uh, you know, even if I'm on the worst show, I'll say, well, okay, I'll learn to paint this better. Uh, or that better because you have to find something positive in the thing that you're in or or you might as well not be there Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. but I really love that learn learn to learn That's a it's a it's a great one because I think for a lot of people uh, Just those three words can you know, you, you can't really ring a bell. So yeah, I think that's yeah. a really really and it involves thing. and includes in that little package it includes a lot of failure you just have to understand that the you have to fail the process mm -hmm. of learning, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, so if, if you don't fail, then you're doing something wrong. <laughs> like yeah, you have to fail. I mean, yeah. yeah, I've done a lot of that. <laughs> we all have. Awesome. Awesome. I think that's a great <laughs> place to wrap up this episode. So uh, thanks again, Wayne, for your time and your insight. Um, and uh, to our listeners, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll put uh, links to Wayne's uh, social media profiles and portfolio in the description below. Um, and as usual, if you enjoyed this episode, please like, comment and subscribe. And uh, thank you so much for watching and see you guys in the next one. Bye.